Welcome to Relatable Rhetoric. I'm your host, Adrian Robertson, and on this show, I drop you into real-life stories of wifehood, parenthood, and life as a Black woman. Every episode holds a mirror up to women's lives to find ways to avoid burnout. It's a mix of sarcasm, unending topics we can all relate to, and reassuring reminders that women can find their stride. Hey y'all, welcome back. I hope you've had a great week and a great weekend and even a great start to your week because it is not Monday. (laughs) Um, I'm a little off schedule because I traveled this past weekend to Indiana. Um, I think I mentioned in my last podcast episode that a friend of mine passed and they had her ceremony this past weekend. And so when I got back, I was like beat. Like I was about to say swamped, but I felt that way too because it was also Halloween and I did trick-or-treating with my kids like the exact day that I got back into town. And so, yes, your girl was not prepared, honey. <laughs> I should have went ahead and recorded this next podcast episode so you guys wouldn't have to wait. But I really appreciate you coming back anyway for your patience. Um, I am still getting used to this weekly cadence. I do thoroughly enjoy it. And I feel like God is continually downloading things into my spirit to share with you guys. So um, there is no shortage of content. Uh, I just have to do better with my planning, my planning ahead, which is is oddly something I mentioned in my last episode. So um, if you heard that, Thank you for listening. And if you haven't, I would definitely recommend that you check out the digital habits for better rest. Um, Definitely some good stuff there that I myself need to continue working on. No. (laughs) Anywho, I want to say that I am taking a detour from the theme of rest. So if you've been listening to season two of the podcast, then you know I've been focused heavily on rest. Um, I started out this season in that space because I was in between jobs and I mean, I I had another job lined up. I realized that sounds like I didn't have a job. No, I had another job lined up, but I just had some few weeks in between when one job ended and when the next would start. And it really just gave me so many epiphanies about rest and as black women, our struggle to do so. So that's kind of where the impetus for the theme came from. And it has been wonderful, but God has started to give me some things that is not necessarily aligned with rest. And I don't want to sit on them. I don't even think I can because (laughs) every time I think about sharing, especially on the podcast, I feel that ping in my spirit that says, this is what you need to say. You need to, you know, bring up that thing that I shared with you or bring up that conversation we had or that moment you had that people need to hear that. So today, that's what we're doing. (laughs) I'm uh, obeying God. Okay. Um, And I appreciate those who appreciate uh, my relationship with God. It is very much uh, woven throughout this, is woven a word? I don't even know. (laughs) 
weaved. I don't know. I, I'm going to go look that up after this, but um, it is weaved throughout all of my my episodes and my podcast because I do value my relationship with God and am guided in many ways by it. So I always like to try to give that disclaimer for anyone who is anti-God or Christ and just does don't want to hear any of it. Yeah, there's your disclaimer. Um, but yes, so I am going to share. <laughs> so you're probably wondering, so this topic, and I don't really know what the actual title of this episode will be. I am still thinking on that. But I know that it's going to be around this concept of taking up space and not being afraid to take up space and really knowing that there is room for you. We always hear that, but it's it's so much deeper than what meets the eye. So on the surface, you hear there's room for you and it's like, you know, you can be what you want to be. It doesn't matter how many other people are, you know, in your industry or in your line of business or even at your job or, you know, whatever it is that you're into, you don't have to feel like you're just a number in the group, right? Like there is room for your gift and the things that you're interested in. But I want to just go a bit farther with it because I think this notion of there being room for you doesn't just apply to your job or your career or your business um, or, you know, any type of line of work, but just your being and your personality in the space that you should be taking up in this world today, your essence, you know, you as a person, if you didn't bring anything actual, actually tangible to the table, there is still room for you. There is still value in you and you alone. And so you're probably like, okay, why you pick this topic, Adrian? <laughs> what, what is this? It feels lofty. What are we talking about? Um, let's, I, I'm going to answer that question. I'm going to get right to it. And I have my notes here to help guide me so that I'm not wasting your time. So I think society and media work friends and even family can make you feel like there's no room for you. Even the things that we choose as our obligations, so our significant others, children, like I mentioned before, your business or your career, they kind of inadvertently make make you feel like there isn't room for you because they just require so much of you and so much of your time that it's like, where is there space for my dreams and my goals and my thoughts and my opinions? Maybe I don't like the way a certain thing is being done, but I don't think that my opinion matters or what I have to say is, is going to be valued by others. So I'm just going to be on autopilot and just do what is expected of me, even though I don't really feel like this is the best way to do it or this is the best way for me to do it. You know, we see, man, uh, through social media, we constantly see images of, you know, people's 
homes and their cars and their vacations and their businesses. And you just start to, as you know, you know where I'm going with this, compare. And it makes you feel like, well, I'm not doing all those things and I don't have all those things, so I don't matter. And that's probably like, a. it sounds like a huge jump, like, okay, I don't matter. But <laughs> when you feel like you are lacking, whether it's something tangible or something spiritual, if you just, just feel like you're lacking value or you're lacking worth or you're lacking hope and faith and peace, then it can over time weigh on you and make you feel like you don't matter. And I think that's where depression can really set in because you you lose this sense of hope and this idea that there is better in, for me, that there is a brighter tomorrow, that this is just a season or that this thing will pass. But instead, this is my life and I can't change it. I feel hopeless when it comes to trying to change it. And so I sink into this low place of discontent, which can lead to depression. And, you know, I heard this while I was watching this. I was watching the Netflix documentary, The Minimalist, and they brought this up, which was so good because they mentioned that we're not, we're no longer comparing ourselves to our peers. So before social media and the internet, you see the people in your neighborhood and the people at your children's school or at your school, or you'd see people at your job and you'd compare yourself to them. But oftentimes those people are our peers because they're in the same socioeconomic status or class that you are. So if you live in the suburbs, you're going to see suburban homes and suburban families and you're going to go to the suburban school at schools and, and activities and churches are all in the same vicinity and in the same class and status for the most part. So you're comparing yourself to people who are relatively close to you in terms of finance and accessibility and education, even careers, right? <clears throat> and then um, oh gosh, I'm, I lost my thoughts. So fast forward now to today where you have your phone and your computer, your devices and whatnot, and you're on the internet. Now you're comparing yourself to the Kim Kardashians of the world. And you're comparing yourself to celebrities and you're comparing yourself to people who make a lot more than you do to people who live in a whole another state or a part of the country or in another country. And so now this reach for better is much farther and much harder because you're not in the same socioeconomic class. And that can cause you to feel this great sense of inadequacy because you're like, man, they are out here living their best life, traveling, on vacations, constantly doing new things, constantly buying new things, you know, and then when you have money, it's easier to make money. So you might see people starting businesses and investing in re real estate. And you're like, 
I just am happy that about paying off my Nissan Ultima. And yet I look to my left and to my right and it seems like people are doing so much more. That's one way. I mean, when you think of comparison. And then also just this idea that what you have to bring to the table isn't much because you have, you know, and this is coming from a creative um, place because I'm a content creator and I am oftentimes looking at other people's work. But if you have been in any type of creative space, then you may be able to attest to this as well. But you see what other people are doing. You're like, oh, it's so much better. They have better quality photos and better cameras and better <laughs> angles. And they have more time on their hands because they have spouses who support them financially or they don't have kids. So they have more time. And you're constantly like shooting down the thing that God has put placed in you to bring forth in this world. So it's like before the baby, <laughs> uh, shout out to my sister who I was talking to and she said, you have an overdue baby. She was um, referring to just a goal that I had talked about that I feel like was really pressing on me. And she's like, that's because you need to share it. So you have this baby, you have this gift, this thing that God is telling you to bring forth into the world. And before it even gets here, you're like trying to sniff the life out of it. Or maybe you're not trying to intentionally, but you are with your words and your thoughts and your doubts because you're constantly doubting that this thing is even of value. And then what's funny is, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit with this comment, but we ourselves don't give value to the gifts that we have. We have the gifts, we place them out in the world and God puts the value there. He gives the increase. Okay, I want a little, <laughs> little scriptural, spiritual there, but you know, there God can do so much more with our gift when we put it out there than we can do. And we think about our limits and what we're capable of and we're like, mm, it ain't gonna be that great. <laughs> it ain't all that. It ain't like such and such as who's over here doing A through Z. I can't do all that. So because you're limited in your thinking, you refuse to take steps forward. But God is like, I just need you to take the steps and I am going to push it. I am going to bring it to its full potential and to its into fruition. I'm going to be the one to uplift this thing way beyond what you can even imagine. Way beyond the limits and what you was thinking we was going to go over here to Instagram and I'm, I'm over here on TikTok and Patreon. These are just examples. <laughs> but the way in which God thinks is so much higher than the way that we think. So instead of trying to figure it out before it meets the world and, be, and instead of trying to perfect it or compare it to something or someone else, just put it out there. And it could be it, it could be yourself, it could be your thoughts, it could be your ideas, it could be your goals. You define what it is. Only you know what's been on your heart 
And sometimes what's on your heart isn't a thing, a project. It could just be a way of living. God has been saying, stop living in fear. Stop, you know, being self-sabotaging. Stop being so self-critical. Walk in confidence. There are so many people crippled by the lack of confidence alone. It's like you compliment their shoes and they're like, oh, no, I just I got these from um, the thrift store. Girl, it was only $10, girl. It was a friend who gave them to me. And you're like, I just wanted you to know I like the shoes. <laughs> All they needed to say was thank you. But you're just coming with the this is why it's not good. This is why it's not great. Instead of just standing tall and saying thank you. And that's just an example and an analogy to what we do with our gifts. So I have this example, um, my friend, and I am like so left field from my notes from right now, but I'm flowing. So let's go with it. So I was with, I was at my friend's house the other day when I was in Indiana, actually. And she had a, a guest over and he was asking me like, you know, what are you into? Like what kinds of things do you like, do you do for fun and whatnot? And I don't know why that question felt so filled with pressure. It was like the spotlight was on me. And I was like, I went blank. I was like, um, <laughs> I like reading and music. Like I'm kind of a lame, you know, just real basic. And I felt lame just saying that because I knew part of me was like, this is not you. This is not, and not to say that you don't like reading and music, but the way that you shrunk and you got so nervous when this question came at you is not reflective of the bold woman that God has designed for you to be and that you know you are. But for whatever reason, when he asked me that, I was just like, ooh, get the spotlight off of me. <laughs> Just toss the ball right back, honey. And my friend was in the kitchen and she heard the conversation and she came running in there. <laughs> she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Um, she has a podcast and a blog and she writes her ass off. <laughs> like I'm quoting what she said. And she was talking and he's like, oh, really? You have a podcast and a blog and this and the third? And it was like, all of a sudden, you know, all these things came rushing back to me like, oh yeah, I do do that. And I do enjoy that and whatnot. And the conversation moved on, but that was such a polarizing moment for me because I felt the message that God was trying to get across to me. You need to see your light. It's one thing to be a light, but it's another thing to know that you are a light and that I've placed something special within you and it's okay to shine that light, even if it's on demand. Like I think sometimes, and I'm speaking mostly, you know, from my own experience, a lot of times we feel okay shining the light if we can do it from a, a you know, a dark place in a corner. I'm just, I'm gonna be behind the scenes and, you know, I'll shine my light where it ain't a whole lot of people. You know, I've seen those TikTok videos that's like, I was fine with TikTok before all of my friends and family got on here. Once they got on here, it was like, what are you doing here? This is supposed to be for strangers on the internet. <laughs> but it's the whole concept is like, I'm okay being the, you know, flourished, blossomed, glowed up person that God has designed for me to be as long as I can do it 
incognito. As long as I can do it kind of behind the scenes. And God is like, no, nah, well, that ain't that ain't how we do things. <laughs> if you're going to be a light, you know, a light can't be a light and be dark. Like either you're going to shine and show some things up or you're going to just be in darkness. There is no middle ground. I'm sorry, I got a little amp there. So I, you know, that moment is just so special to me. And my friend, I didn't even really tell her about it. it I ended up telling my husband later. Um, and I ended up mentioning it on Twitter. But I feel like I should probably tell her too, because she just doesn't know how, you know, what she did for me in that moment. You know, it was it was just really cool. And I'm I'm like, okay, next time someone asks you. <laughs> What you into, what you do, what you like, this, that's the time. Bring up, you know, what X, Y, and Z. Um, and I did actually have another story to kind of coincide with this idea of feeling like there's not room for you. And this one makes me a little nervous. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to mention that I don't have in this episode, like tips and here's how to do anything. You know, I'm hoping that things will resonate with you and you will just know that you're not the only one who experiences this and you're not the only way who one who has struggled with these thoughts and these insecurities and that there is a path forward i definitely want to explore what though what you know what those takeaways are but i don't have that at this moment i am just being obedient to god saying share what i gave you get it out there <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's more of a conversation. It's more of a story time and I hope that that's okay with you. So I'm going to share this story and hope that I can get it all done in a short amount of time because I see that this episode is already getting a bit long. So I have two sisters. I actually have two sisters and a brother, but my brother was like so much older than me that he was not living at home uh, when my mom was raising me and my sisters. And to be honest, my oldest sister, she was pretty much grown too, but she was kind of ever present. <clears throat> she was a teen mom. And so she was kind of in and out, you know, she would be around with her kids she has four kids and so she would you know at sometimes it's like okay the kids are over visiting or i'm babysitting and then there were times where she'd stay with us for a short period and then she'd go live on her own and she'd come stay with us again and so she be quickly became like in many ways she was a big sister but she was like a second mom if that makes sense um, just because of her her older age and the fact that she had four kids and they her kids were more my age. I saw them kind of more of siblings than I did like nieces and nephews because we were all around the same age. But that's just to kind of give you some context of my sis, my oldest sister. I'm the youngest. Then I have another sister who she she's not the oldest but she's in between me and my oldest and she struggled with school um she was always um 
kind of just teetering on that line of like failing and not. And she had a has really because this is not past that's a lot of pizzazz. So her and my mom, <laughs> as a teenager, that pizzazz was it was it was a little much. And so her and my mom was often going at it. They were often arguing and just you know the tension the teenage tension between her and my mom was also ever present and then there's me <laughs> i was and i was not like not a problematic child i definitely had a i had a mouth on me i had an attitude i was very um independent but to the point of like, I'm just going to go around you to get things done or I'm going to do things on my own, even if I'm not doing them in the right way. And so that oftentimes got me in trouble. So I'm not saying that I was like a perfect child in any stretch of the imagination. But one, I realized in my mom's household, cutting up and bad grades was not an option. So <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't stick with that route for long. But then, you know, we kind of grew up in, you know, well, not the worst conditions, but poverty was definitely around us. Um, mindsets of poverty was definitely around us. And so I quickly took to the notion that education was like my ticket out. It was, you know, my way to more, to a better life, probably in some way, shape or form to happiness. It's probably what I was thinking at such a young age. And so I got really good grades. I did a lot of extracurricular activities, both in school and in church that we went to. And I think in many ways, I became independent because one, I wanted to, like I already kind of had this independent way about me, but I also felt like I had to because I had two sisters who in many ways needed my mom. They needed her more. At least that's what it felt like. And that, I think, is what started these feelings of there isn't room for me. I have to make sure that I'm good. I have straight A's. You know, I'm independent. I can do for myself. I can take care of myself because I'm not going to necessarily have help. I'm not going to have my mom, you know, at my beck and call because she is tied up and busy with my siblings. And if I want to still press forward and get ahead, I'm going to have to figure out how to do these things on my own. And a lot, in a lot of ways, I did that as a young child. I mean, I practically went through my whole college journey, application process, visits, you name it, on my own. Um, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but I just kind of wanted to set the stage for this story. So in many ways, like I said, my, you know, I have my one sister who was, if she wasn't really reliant on my mom in a way that she needed her for something or needed her help with school, then she was like arguing with her, one or the other. And then I have my other sister who, you know, very young, had children very busy because she has four children and you know always kind of just around I just kind of felt I just felt like I felt I felt the background now I, I had a, a big personality I still do and would I feel like I would light up a room with my personality but that was I didn't always feel like 
that's necessarily what I wanted. It was like a default, right? All right, there you go. The stage is set. <laughs> Get to your point, Adrian girl. So there's this one particular time where my sister that was in kind of in grade school along with me, she had, we had both gotten report cards. So whenever she'd get a report card, she have like, like I said, she was always teetering on like barely making it and failing. So she was often getting C's and D's and F's. And every time my parents be chewing her out about it. And I was a straight A student, you know, constantly on the scholar roll and honor roll and, you know, whatnot. So I would show my parents my grades and they would be like, straight A's again. Very good. Keep up the good work. And they would move on. They would get to her and it was like lecture after lecture after lecture. And even though it was negative, I think as a child, I just saw that as attention. Like she gets way more attention for these negative grades. Whereas I'm busting my tail to get the, I ain't gonna say busting my tail, but I'm making sure that I'm getting straight A's and all I get is a pat on the back. <laughs> so this one particular grade and period, I was like, you know what? It don't matter. Like I'm gonna just get what I get. Now, being the type of student I was, I I don't even know that I could have failed if I tried. But I did get a couple B's and I still had some A's. And I remember my mom coming for me about those B's. She was like, whoa, you're a straight A student. What are these B's that you have and whatnot? And I just felt like, what you mean? Like every time I get straight A's, you barely have anything to say. And then I get some B's and you coming at me. But my sister gets C's, D's and F's. And she turns a D into a C and it's like, oh, yeah, that's so good. Now, as a parent, I understand. I completely understand now. But as a child, I read that, those messages in a way that made me feel like there was no room for me. As long as you're getting these straight A's and doing good in school, that's all that matters. And I leaned into that. I felt like in many ways I became my achievements. And let me just say, this is in no way a jab at my sisters. Because I know for a fact that they felt unseen in many ways growing up. I mean, also more context, my mom, especially during the early, my early years, which was, you know, ended up being teen, teenage and young adult years for my sisters. My mom was an alcoholic, like textbook definition of an alcoholic. And my dad was often checked out probably because his wife was an alcoholic. So I'm sure he had his own issues that he was trying to navigate and cope with as a result of the circumstances. So I know, and just, you know, from conversations with my sisters, yes, they have their issues with our upbringing. My only reason for bringing this up is, and sharing these stories is just to share the example of how family and our upbringing can contribute. And in some ways, birth these feelings of inadequacy in us. And they do need to be addressed. Even as an adult, you're like, okay, I'm 30, I'm 25, I'm 45. Why we got to bring up the past? Well, when we struggle today with these feelings of 
inadequacy, self-doubt, struggling with self-love and really walking in our true essence and the true just being that God has designed for us, where does it where does it date back to? Where is it derived from? It could very well be things that you endured as a child. It could be things you were told as a child or your own coping mechanisms as a child. Like I said, you know, I was in the middle of two other siblings growing up in a family with siblings who seemingly needed my mom more than me. Now, I know as a parent, that's not true. Every child needs their parent. I don't care what, how independent and how smart and how strong they are. Every child needs their parent. And I am learning that today and working through that. But I have to check those feelings that come up to say there isn't room for you and that I can't take up space. You know, I just need to fall to the background, just do my thing over here on the side and it's not that serious or, you know, whatever the case may be. No, I don't need to subscribe to those thoughts and those feelings and I need to check them and say just because mom made you feel that way or dad made you feel that way or sisters made you feel that way or even you made you feel that way maybe you told yourself these things that were completely lies <laughs> as a child you have to go back and, and correct that and say no i did deserve x y and z and i thank god that i still ended up where i am today without it but that doesn't mean i wasn't worthy of it that doesn't mean that i didn't need it as a child, but God still saw fit to keep me and make sure that I got to where I needed to be, even without that. Those are hard conversations. I will admit, those are hard conversations to have with yourself and to push past because, you, you know, it is easy to be resentful and to be angry and hurt and say no, you know, or any... <laughs> and in many ways become a victim, okay? How many people we know today that's like, I'm not everything that I should be because of someone else. We can all be a victim of something. We can all subscribe to that mentality that I am not where I need to be or want to be in life because of X, Y, and Z. But it's not true. Yes, those things happen and they may, they may have affected you. They may have um, slowed you down. But today is a brand new day and you are truly the author of the ending. We don't get to write the beginning. We don't get to write our upbringings and have a say in that. But what we do as adults, that's on us. We can change the narrative. Now, if you didn't listen to the narrative episode that I released a few weeks ago, please go back and listen to that. You can change the narrative. You might have been telling yourself for years that you didn't need X or you didn't want X or because this happened, you couldn't do, you know, whatever. Not true. Change the narrative and say, I thought I couldn't, but today I'm going to try. Today I know that I can. And today I know that I, I was worthy of that, even though I didn't get it. And I'm worthy of it today. 
And that's not only going to help you change the narrative for you, but those that you interact with who sees you changing that narrative, the people who know your story, they see you rising above. And then if you have children or just children that you affect, you know, children's lives that you're around, they see that when they are challenged with the same thing that you were challenged with, they will know that they can change the narrative. They will know that they can still rise above despite the circumstances and despite the, the situations they started in, it doesn't have to be their ending because they see you. How many people are looking at you? Did you did you see the, the video? It might be on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't know, but it's like people pretend to see you who there are so many people who pretend to not see you but they see you okay i might have butchered that but you get the gist it's always somebody watching whether it's a child a friend a parent somebody at your gym your church somebody who knows your story heck one of my sisters they may be looking at me with a completely different perspective Wondering how, you know, they're going to push past their struggles. And they're like, oh, wow, Adrian is figuring it out. Adrian is, is, is finding the light in spite of the darkness. Perhaps I can too. You give other people hope. When you have hope and you demonstrate hope and you pursue hope, you give other people hope. And that's it. We really have to work on dismantling the thoughts of inadequacy that try to consume us. Because they will. They will try to take us out. And, and mainly because, y'all y'all about to have me preaching. Mainly because the enemy knows. The enemy knows what the greatness that's inside of you. What you could do if you just believed in yourself. What you could do if you felt like you deserved a spot at the table. You deserved a spot in the room. If you decided you was going to show up, take up space, show out, be present, what could happen? And not allow hurts, past hurts, past trauma, past disappointments to keep you down. That is a true reflection of freedom and deliverance. And then people see that and you out here giving people hope that they can be free, that they can be delivered, that they can still pursue and become in, despite their situations, their past situations. The enemy knows that. He's like, oh no, I can't have, I can't have her out here being that, that kind of light now. Let me make her feel like, like she ain't worthy. And we receive those suggestions. Y'all, I'm telling you, if you didn't listen to Change Your Narrative, go listen to it. Because they're just suggestions. These, All of these thoughts, these things that I felt like, you know, my sisters needed my mom more. Or my mom was, you know, too busy. Or I just wanted to be independent. And that's okay. No. There's nothing wrong with saying I, I wanted help. I needed a parent to be a parent back then. I didn't want to have to figure it all out. I wanted to enjoy being a kid more. I 
should, I should have had that. But instead, all these other thoughts come to try to, you know, break me down, break us down and make us feel like now today, 30 some odd years later, I can't do a podcast or write a book because of the way I felt back then, the way I perceived the world back then. And and the things that actually happened, whether it was a perception or it was an actual fact, honey. Because of those things today, I can't? No, absolutely not. Because of those things, I became who I am today. Because of those things, I'm able to look back and see the progression. What rose through the concrete? What flower bloomed even through the concrete? What was supposed to keep me down, still I was able to rise because of God and his keeping power and his grace and his love that was with me then and is still with me now. And whatever it is that I put my hands to, I can be prosperous in. Because the same God that kept me all those many years ago is keeping me today. The God who made a way for me all those years ago can make a way for me today. I could have gotten lost in depression and, you know, taken my life. You know, a lot of people crumble under the things that we stand through. And that's not for naught. You stood and you not only endured it, but you overcame it for a reason. So yes, walk in your boldness, sis. Have confidence, sis. I'm talking to, I'm preaching to the choir as I often say that I am, honey. Preaching to my daggone self. (laughs) And, um, you know, I don't really know if my sisters listen to my podcast, but if you're out there, I just want to say that I love you. And... I hope that we can talk about this off the record (laughs) Um, just because, you know, I just think it's powerful. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, raised in the same household, you walk away with such different experiences and that doesn't disqualify or invalidate the other person's experience. So I just want to shout out my sisters. I love y'all. And just remind you that God not only helps us and can help us, he validates us. If you want to know if there's room for you, if you want to know if you can take up space into today's world, right now, today, in this moment, if there is space and room for you, talk to God. See what he has to say about you. I'm telling you, he's crazy about you. And he's going to tell you, There ain't enough room for what I've placed in you. It's going to be overflowing as you walk in your boldness, as you walk in your confidence, as you walk in the gifts that I've placed in you, the natural gifts that I've placed in you. You're going to see the overflow like nobody's business. You're going to, you're not only going to wonder, but the world is going to wonder where you have been hiding. And that's it. That's all I have for you. With that, I'm going to go to this next segment. Why didn't they tell us? 
Why Didn't They Tell Us is a fun segment where we basically make light of the topic we just discussed. It's a way for us to end on a good note. <laughs> so I'm going to go through three of those and then we're going to be out of here. So the first is, why didn't they tell us that the phrase, there's room for you, has such a deeper meaning? Like, it ain't about seats at the table and in the room and on social media, but it's just, it's internal. I ain't know what's this deep, sis. Number two, why didn't they tell us that finding my stride in life today requires so much retrospection of yesterday? of the past. It's like, I, you know, I got to face little me if I want to understand big me. I got to look at, you know, big girl who was six years old dealing with X, Y, and Z if I want to understand 33-year-old me. That's deep. Somebody should have told us that. <laughs> but I think we all become adults and we think that, you know, the past is the past and we're just going to move forward and never have to think about it and just be better and be greater. And that is not the case. We're all just like grown kids. We're 30 year old kids still moving and thinking and reacting and responding in the same ways that we did when we were six. Go to therapy. And I'm talking to me. I ain't even coming for you, sis. We need therapy. I hate that there's a stigma in the Black community for therapy, but we have got to unpack some things, honey, so that we can move forward. If you took a trip, come on, we're going to have an analogy real quick before we get out of here. When you took a trip and you came back and you never unpacked your suitcase, how are you going to go anywhere else? If you need that suitcase to be able to take the next trip and go to the next new place and then have the next exciting, fun vacation, but you just refuse to open that suitcase and unpack it so that you can prepare for the next, you holding yourself back. And that's what therapy is. It's unpacking some stuff to better understand. Because once you understand, like the example I gave in the episode today about, you know, looking at how I was raised and feeling like there wasn't room for me because of my siblings, I can like debunk that idea now. I don't have to say this is who I am. No, I can say that's how I was raised. But no, today I am bold and today I'm confident and I know that there's room for me. But, you know, little me, she didn't know that. She thought that's, you know, how she had to be. And that's not true. And it's so much easier to understand and accept and then turn away from. It's so much easier to, to get back on the road, to go take that other trip once you've unpacked your suitcase. Imagine if you tried to just keep putting stuff in that same suitcase. You go on trips and come back and just add a little bit more. It would get to the point where you wouldn't even be able to put no more in there. Unzipping the zipper would be like being triggered. Every time you unzip the zipper, everything come flying and rushing out. You just a hot mess. People say, I like your dress, and you just unravel. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think I said anything offensive. You didn't. But I haven't unpacked so much that now I'm just walking around reacting instead of living. Okay, I said this was supposed to be light. We ain't going to get deep. Last one, why didn't they tell us that what feels like small insecurities show up in big ways in our lives. 
big ways. And that's, you know, piggybacking on what I just said. You think it's small. And then you, you see how it's just kind of affecting every little part of your life. You got to face it. And what if I told you, even when you face it after it, you're going to be okay. You're going to come out on the other side. You're going to be glowing even more because you faced it. I think we have this fear of like facing ourselves, facing our insecurities. And I think it's because we think that if I hold up a mirror to my insecurities, then I'm going to see myself for who I really am. Right? Like, we're going to have this huge epiphany of how horrible people we are. And that's so untrue. It's like when you grab a mirror and you just realize, like, you got a little crumb on your cheek and you just you swipe it away. And you see, like, I'm that beautiful. It's a mechanism for refining you, for you to get back to your true beauty. And insecurity is not who you are. You're beautiful, even with the insecurity. But addressing it, honey, now your beauty is is radiant. It's undeniable. It's able to shine through because you you remove the crumb from your cheek. That's it. That's it. All right, (laughs) y'all. This episode is longer. I'm, I went from like 30 minute episodes to like 45 minute episodes, but I told God that I am going to release, okay? These things that he gives to me, he's not giving to me to just sit on them and just be full, honey. Nope. I got you. I got you, sis. <laughs> All right. Um, As you know, there are new episodes every Monday, okay? Despite my track record. <laughs> Lately, I told y'all I was dealing with loss. I still am. And um, I just pray that you will have grace and patience with me. But yes, the cadence is weekly on Mondays. So please meet me right back here next Monday on Relatable Rhetoric. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll check out other episodes And more importantly, find your stride, sis.